Hey everybody, so about a week ago, I had a bit of a DM problem. That problem being related to a module that I was running for one of my campaigns, and the material that was written not quite doing what I needed it to do. That being said, I'm pretty sure I solved the problem. And that's what we're going to talk about this week, a concept that I call tying knots. Let's get into it. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Bardic Inquisition. I am your host Vince. I have a small little piece of news. I got a new microphone. So if my voice quality sounds a little off, my apologies in advance. I am kind of still trying to figure things out with this new mic, but hopefully I got everything set up correctly. That said, before we get started with this week's episode, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. That's right, all of our fantastic patrons over there on the Patreon. Thank you very much for your support. Anyone who wants to get in on this action can do so by going to patreon.com slash bardicinquisition, and for just a few dollars a month, you can become a part of the team that makes this show happen. Now, a small disclaimer here at the very beginning. If you are in a Ghosts of Saltmarsh campaign or are interested in playing in one in the future... Do not listen to this episode. Sorry, Zach. I'll make it up to you next time. All right, with all those people gone, let's get into the problem. First off, I wanted to start by saying that I have no problems with the Ghosts of Saltmarsh module as it is. Understandably, if you're running Ghosts of Saltmarsh, you're going to have to put in a little bit of work. Because on the surface, you might pick up Ghosts of Saltmarsh and see, oh look, there are a bunch of adventures in here. This must be an adventure module. Not really. It's kind of more of a setting module with adventures thrown in. And this might not be immediately apparent because the first gap in levels doesn't really come in until chapter 6. Enter the problem. See, chapter 5, the module known as the Isle of the Abbey, is designed to get the players to level 6. However, the next chapter in the module, the final enemy, is meant for a party of level 7 player characters. So even if I were to allow the party to level up once per adventure, and the adventures take one session apiece, I would still have to come up with some adventure to go in between. Okay, whatever, cool, just make an adventure and done. Problem solved, right? Well, not exactly, because I also have a couple other minor problems. The first of which is with the story of Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Now, the story itself is pretty good. I like it, at least. 
In the very first adventure, you are sent to investigate a haunted house. Well, it turns out that this haunted house is not in fact haunted, but rather is being set up, if you will, as haunted by a group of smugglers. You eventually are sent to investigate what is going on with the smuggling ring, and you find out the smugglers are smuggling to lizard folk who are preparing for some kind of war. Saltmarsh initially believes that this war is against Saltmarsh, but you later find out that it is not against Saltmarsh and in fact is against a large army of Sahuagin who have taken the lizard folk's lair from them. And as it turns out, these Sahuagin are actually the real threat to Saltmarsh. Yeah, intense stuff. And this all happens within the first few adventures, by the end of which the party should be level 4. The next two adventures, however, have nothing to do with this conflict. And don't get me wrong, they are thematic, but they don't quite fit the story that has been happening up to this moment. You'll see what I mean. In Chapter 4, an adventure called Salvage Operation, the party is hired by a wealthy ex-merchant who lost all of his money on a ship that he had sent to a jungle region south of Saltmarsh. The main conflict here is that the ship disappeared, but recently has been sighted and he wants the players to go and get a locker that he has full of promissory notes. He offers the players 10% of this wealth, which ends up to be about 10,000 gold. Okay. Cool little adventure, but again, has nothing to do with the plot between the lizard folk and the Sahuagin and Saltmarsh. I don't think it would be so bad if it were just this one in between the main plot, but the next one is also, again, nothing to do with the main story. Now, this problem might actually be unique to me because this adventure, Salvage Operation, was the last adventure that my party completed before we ended up taking a five-month break. Not on purpose, mind you. Moving on to the next adventure, the Isle of the Abbey, which is the one that we did last week. The local Mariner's Guild wants the players to investigate the Isle of the Abbey, an abandoned isle, supposedly abandoned isle, that they want to build a lighthouse on. Of course, while exploring the island, you realize that it is in fact not abandoned. There are people living there that have been stuck on the island since... For a long time. I don't recall the exact amount of time. I don't even know if the book says. But the important part is that some of them are priests and acolytes and others are cultists and none of them can seem to get along. And the book is actually quite diligent when it comes to explaining all these different characters and their personalities and who they don't like and who they get along with, their motivations even. A lot of information that would be completely wasted if either the party was a bunch of murder hobos or if, for some reason or another, one of the NPCs just was really itching for a fight, which is a thing. One of the characters is actually a grizzled veteran of sorts who really just wants to fight the party at all times. But regardless of how cool or interesting this adventure is, it again has nothing to do with the main plot. Now, this last problem that I have is kind of a minor one, and is not really important to the story per se, but it kind of is. I don't know. You let me know what you think. The very first chapter of the book in Ghosts of Saltmarsh is not an adventure, and in fact is a description of Saltmarsh. And one of the things it notes is that it is divided into three factions. 
Recently, the king of the region that Saltmarsh is in has had his eye on Saltmarsh, and so lately the once fishing village of Saltmarsh has kind of become a bit of a mining town as well, as the king has sent down several dwarven miners to gather resources from the mountains nearby. As for the actual factions, we have the Loyalists, people that are loyal to the king, most of the miners and the people that support the miners, as well as most of the town guard tend to be Loyalists. And then we have the Traditionalists, most fishermen and merchants, and even smugglers, tend to be Traditionalists. They want the king to stay out of Saltmarsh and keep his nosy eye somewhere else. And then we have the secretive Scarlet Brotherhood. They're basically a group that just wants to cause chaos and problems all over everywhere, Saltmarsh included. These guys are basically meant to be bad guys that if you happen to kill them all, well, you're doing the world a favor. However, therein lies a small but minor issue in that you don't really run into the Scarlet Brotherhood too much. You might run into the Traditionalists and the Loyalists, because of course you would, they're all over the town. But the Scarlet Brotherhood is secretive, so you might not ever see a member of the Scarlet Brotherhood, or if you have, you probably don't even realize it. So yeah, basically that's problem number three. So in short, one, I need some kind of mission or adventure that I can run in between the Isle of the Abbey and the final enemy. Two, I need some kind of way to tie in the Isle of the Abbey and make it feel like it's kind of part of the main overall story. And three, I really, really want to involve the Scarlet Brotherhood somehow. So yeah, I could get started on a solution right away. However, there were a couple of opportunities that I saw that I wanted to address. Let's talk about those next. Now, these next two opportunities that I wanted to talk about are very much specifically tied to my playgroup. So, the first opportunity that we have to improve this already decent solution is that one of the player characters, a dwarf cleric named Garetharn, kind of has a little bit of a thing for the magic item vendor in Saltmarsh, Captain Zendros. And while she can kind of be seen as a villain or a potential villain in the campaign because she curses all of her magic items to where she can detect everyone's thoughts with unlimited range, since this player and his character have kind of been investing in this particular NPC, I wanted to make Zendros more of a helpful character, and so maybe she can use that curse for good. More on that later. The other opportunity has to do with the fact that we have not only two bards in the party, but that one of them has been immensely obsessed with collecting books. Ever since the very first adventure, Sinister Secret of Saltmarsh, where this character found a couple of spellbooks and even a book on the Philosopher's Stone, this particular character, Retsama, has kept every single book of interest that she could find. And she's even taken about half of her levels in Wizard. 
specifically School of Transmutation, as that's the one that has to do with, like, Philosopher's Stone and alchemy and whatnot. And actually, something interesting happened in the very last adventure that this group did, Salvage Operation, when the ship was being attacked by a giant kraken or octopus of some kind. Her character fell into or jumped into the water and actually got to see a bit of the creature and what it looked like up close. And since then, this character has also had a deep interest in learning about sea monsters, as well as other related lore. So, basically, our two opportunities for improvement here have to do with Captain Zendros and sea lore, potentially a musical instrument. You'll see what I came up with when I talk about my solution up next. So the first part of my solution is to create a problem, specifically a problem that needs to be solved before the players can go dive into the Sahuagin Fortress and start taking out their army. This problem I determined was a magical storm, a magical storm that could only be calmed by obtaining two specific things. One, a musical instrument called the Horn of Atlantis. And two, the book with the music needed to be played. This is called the Sea God's Songbook. As it just so happens, the Sea God's Songbook is hidden on the Isle of the Abbey. In the module, of course, it's not, but this is what I decided. Now, I had forgotten that there is actually a book hidden down in the cultist leader's room, that I could have just replaced with this songbook, but since I had forgotten about that, I had the book be in a bookshelf owned by one of the religious leaders. I think it might have actually been the cultist leader, which is the funny part. As for the horn, though, the horn is, quote-unquote, currently being pursued by a second party of adventurers. Now, the reason I did this was for a couple of reasons. One is that I didn't want the players to feel like, oh, why are we the only ones in Saltmarsh doing anything? And B, I wanted to provide the opportunity for one of the players to be able to play a different character if they really wanted to. Because by design, this first group is going to fail. And if another player really wants to play a different character, their character can be the one that survived to come back to deliver the news. As for how the people got the locations of these items, this is where Zendros comes in. See, up to this point, the party still has no idea about the curse, and I plan for that to remain a secret. I think the party has actually concluded that Zendros just has a large network of connections, and so she's able to get a lot of information through that. So yeah, I think that pretty much covers all of the potential problems and the opportunities that I wanted to use. We have created an adventure to do between the Isle of the Abbey and the final enemy. 
we have tied the Isle of the Abbey and the following adventure into the main story by creating these two magical items that are required to progress. We have determined the location of these items using Captain Zendros and her Detect Thoughts ability. And we've made sure these items are a musical instrument and a songbook, both of which are ocean-themed. The only problem we haven't talked about is the one with the Scarlet Brotherhood, which is, again, a minor problem, but one I wanted to solve regardless. This is done in two separate ways. One, the cultists on the island are actually Scarlet Brotherhood cultists. And the second, and I'd argue larger way that this is implemented, is by hiding the Horn of Atlantis in the Scarlet Brotherhood's lair. I'm thinking an underground lair beneath the Solmore Mansion. I think that'll be fun. So, yeah, that's how I am solving the problems that I have with the Ghosts of Saltmarsh module. I think it's important to note, though, that this type of solution can be created to fit most gaps in between any kind of pre-written adventure. I think a lot of people feel pressured when they're running a module to do everything kind of by the book, and I think that this is an incorrect approach, or at least for most playgroups. As I mentioned, I don't think Ghosts of Saltmarsh is a bad module. In fact, I think it's a pretty good one. But the writers at Wizards of the Coast do not know you and your playgroup. They don't know your DM style and your potential strengths and weaknesses. As an example of something that I kind of learned not to do eventually is the read-aloud text. As you may or may not know with a lot of pre-written modules, they give you a lot of box text to read to your players whenever your player enters a new room. And if your group is used to you giving a physical description of every single room that is narrative and rather wordy, then they might be perfectly okay with this. But I found that for me, reading these really lengthy descriptions of every single room kind of took something away from the moment. I've found that what works better is to, yes, read the box text ahead of time, but then highlight everything that's important about the room. So that way, whenever you're running the module, you can just quickly describe the room to your players without it having to be a paragraph long just to tell the players that there's a table, four chairs, and four people sitting at the table playing cards. But now I hand it off to you. What did you think of my solution? Would you have come up with something similar or something completely different? Perhaps you have completely different problems than I had. Either way, let's get to the outro so we can get you guys out of here for this week. Alright guys, that's all I've got this week. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Bardic Inquisition. If you have any questions, feel free to send me an email at bardicinquisition at yahoo.com or find me on Twitter at bardinquisition. And again, if you'd like to become an official member of the Inquisition yourself, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash bardicinquisition and kicking us a few bucks every month. But that's all from me, guys. Until next time, have fun, play games, and don't stop dreaming.
So one of the first things that my party did when they came across the people of the Isle of the Abbey is the rogue decided to crack open the door and just shoot the biggest guy with a crossbow. Yeah, they they could have died. 